Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about when our kids have anxiety and OCD and it impacts their eating, which is incredibly scary. And it's kind of a game changer, in my opinion, when it impacts their health in that way. Because if you have a kid who's anxious or having intrusive thoughts about food and about eating, that can really impact their well-being, their health, and their life. So it's a good topic to talk about. It's something that I live with every day, so I'm super passionate about this topic. And I feel like there needs to be a lot more education and conversation about it because I know those parents in the trenches, myself included, it can feel like a very lonely experience and very frustrating because the medical field and even the mental health field don't always get this and they can say the wrong things or suggest the wrong things and really leave us feeling hopeless or paranoid or feeling guilty that maybe there's something that we're not doing correctly. So let's get into it. For starters, um, okay, so with eating issues, there are so many different things that cause this. And there used to be a DSM diagnosis called selective eating disorder. And then when the new DSM came out, they changed that diagnosis, completely got rid of that, and renamed it ARFID, Avoidant Restrictive Food Intake Disorder. I'm really not a fan of the diagnosis ARFID because I really feel like it's such a catch-all and there are so many vastly different issues that cause eating issues and it, it can all fit under the umbrella of ARFID, which is confusing because if you're treating ARFID, you're going to be treating it differently depending on what is causing it. So the main things that cause eating issues are sensory issues. So um, I don't like the way it feels in my mouth, um, the textures. That is a complete sensory situation. So I had a child, I guess you'd call it ARFID now, because she has sensory processing issues and it. she had some oral defensiveness. And when she was little, she would not eat. So I find that the sensory issues happen from the get-go. Like you notice this from infancy and on. That's not an anxiety. It can create anxiety because when you have sensory issues, it can be anxiety producing to feel overwhelmed and to have sensory overload. But really that issue needs to be dealt with through sensory intervention. And so you can get a feeding therapist. They typically are speech and language pathologists or speech and language therapists and with a specialty in feeding therapy. And that could be very effective. That's what I did. We did that when she was a toddler and kind of built up her tolerance for different sensory sensations. That sounded very redundant. (laughs) I taught her how to deal with her gag reflex and to deal with mixed textures and all of that stuff. That is an OT and speech and language therapist world. That's not necessarily a mental health issue, but it's still under the umbrella of ARFID. And that's partly my gripe with ARFID. But anyway, that's not what this podcast is about. 
But I want to focus not on the sensory ones. I want to focus on anxiety and OCD and how that impacts our eating. That's also under the umbrella of ARFID. And now you see why I get frustrated because those are two totally different things. You can have kids who have both, but they're very different. So some kids have anxiety, no OCD, and they might be worried about throwing up. They might have emetophobia, and there is some discussion whether emetophobia is truly OCD or if it's kind of a diagnosis of its own, but that doesn't really matter here. And those kids might have some restrictive eating because they're worried they're going to throw up. And so sometimes they start to make a connection of, you know, if I don't eat, then I won't throw up because I won't have anything in my stomach. So they start to avoid food or they feel nauseous all the time because they're afraid of throwing up. So the irony of being afraid of throw up is that it makes you feel nauseous. And then when you're nauseous, you get nervous because you think you're going to throw up and then you feel more nauseous because anxiety can make you feel nauseous. And so it's this like horrible, vicious cycle And those kids will avoid eating because one, they feel nauseous and two, they think maybe if they eat too much, they're going to feel too full and then they might throw up. There's all sorts of kind of renditions around the fear of throwing up and feeling nauseous. Now, some kids don't feel worried about throw up, but they do get nauseous when they're anxious and that kind of diminishes their appetite. And if they're anxious all the time, they're not going to eat. Like when I'm anxious, my appetite goes to zero. I wish I was anxious all the time. (laughs) No, that's terrible. That's not true. Uh, But I mean, like I literally have no appetite. I like, I have to remind myself to eat. Luckily, I don't get to that level unless I'm like seriously anxious, but that's how my body reacts. Like I just completely lose my appetite and that's how it impacts our kids too. Now I go into emetophobia in detail, probably more than you even want to know in episode 35. So if that is what you're dealing with, you can listen to that as well. That would be a really good supplement to this episode because I'm going to tell you a little bit more about what that is. And even if you live it and breathe it, I also tell you how to treat it as a parent. So go back and listen to that episode. So other anxiety issues besides fear of throw up that can cause kids to not eat were now we, we move from the sensory umbrella and now we're moving into the anxiety umbrella. We're not in the OCD umbrella completely yet. Now they will overlap. So you might have multiple umbrellas going on, but I'm putting them into three categories. So other things that cause kids to not eat who have anxiety is the fear of choking. So some kids who have anxiety will worry about choking Um, some kids with anxiety will feel like there's something stuck in their throat and anxiety, unfortunately can physiologically give kids the sensation, not just kids, obviously anybody that there is a like, kind of like, have you ever heard the expression? Like, and I had a lump in my throat that doesn't come from nowhere. Like that's because anxiety can literally cause that feeling that there's something in the throat, not a fun feeling. And so I have treated kids who have come into my practice and they would say, there's something stuck in my throat and I can't get it out. So they avoid eating because they feel like they're going to choke. So those could be two separate issues. You could have a kid who's just afraid of choking. They don't have a lump in their throat. They're just really worried about choking. And you can have the kids who feel the lump in their throat. It's more common to not have the physical sensation, but I do want to mention it because I have treated kids who 
had to go to the doctor and they've been x-rayed because the parents didn't have anxiety on their radar. And it's such a weird symptom. They didn't realize that that could be connected. So the kids who are afraid of choking will start to slowly avoid eating. And this can move into OCD type of behavior rather quickly because I have worked with kids who are on liquid diets because the only thing they're comfortable eating is something they can drink because they can't choke on that. And there are kids that will go even more extreme and they, they won't even drink because they're afraid they can choke on the, on the liquid. So that is on the anxiety OCD umbrella. It's like right in between. Now with OCD, you have kids who will have restrictive eating and they'll have intrusive thoughts about their food. Now with OCD, it gets really messy because OCD is so irrational that it can be highly unique to each child because if the brain can fantasize about something, then it can bother your child about it. And so it can literally be any thought. So with intrusive thoughts, I mean, my child will have thoughts that the food looks like a cartoon figure that they watched and it was like a scary face in their food. Now they're not psychotic or delusional. It's not like schizophrenia. It's just an upsetting intrusive thought. The child knows it's irrational, but they can't eat the food. And so with intrusive thoughts, it can be across the board a variety of thoughts. It can be, this food looks really gross today. Um, with my child, because he is in the more of the ARFID, if we're going to go with the diagnosis, because I guess we have to, um, restrictive eating because of OCD and pans or pandas. I'm not exactly sure where he falls under that umbrella either, but he will think that the food sometimes is too chewy, um, or the texture is off. Now that can easily be misdiagnosed with a sensory issue, but he has no history of sensory issues whatsoever. So we have to be really careful because we can easily go down the rabbit hole of, oh, it's a sensory issue. Let's get a feeding therapist. And you're missing the point because it's not about the texture. That's just one intrusive thought. His intrusive thoughts are really, really odd. Like they don't make any sense. Like he'll feel like if he keeps chewing and there's no flavor, he can't swallow it. It doesn't make any sense. Um, he worries about choking, worries about where the food came from, um, if it's poisoned or if it's alive or if it was alive. OCD tends to get very weird and it moves around. It's the whack-a-mole type of thing. Anxiety tends to sit very firmly in whatever the initial thought is. So at my house, we deal with, I can't eat because if I eat, I'm going to get too full and I'm going to throw up. So kind of the emetophobia or I feel nauseous, so I don't want to eat, or it's too chewy, although we're not dealing with sensory, or I don't know where it came from, or uh, this piece is a little bit too crunchy versus that piece, or there's a black speck in it, and so I can't eat it, and it just morphs. So that, in a nutshell, it's really not a nutshell, because I'm like, kind of took a long time explaining that, but I, I do feel like it's important for me to sit and explain this to you first, because you have to understand, because when somebody like on my private Facebook group says, Oh, we're dealing with ARFID that tells me nothing, or we're dealing with restrictive eating. That tells me nothing because it's so different for different people. But ARFID like that diagnosis tells me absolutely nothing because you could be, your child could have SPD sensory processing disorder. And my kid has OCD with intrusive thoughts that is caused partly by OCD and partly by pandas pans. And we're like in two different worlds. So it is important. Now with restrictive eating, it is important 
to note that that is one sign of pandas or pans, whatever you want to call it these days. It depends on what the infection is. If you've never heard of that, or you didn't know that this could be kind of a symptom, go back and listen to my episode on it with Beth Mahoney, who is the author of Saving Sammy and a good advocate for pandas and pans. And that was episode 56. So if you don't know about that, or if you're dealing with that and you're like, oh, I never heard that podcast, go back and listen to that one. That could be kind of helpful. So anyway, let's talk about what you do with the anxiety and OCD components of ARFID. Now I'm in the thick of things. So total disclaimer here, I'm in it with you. So it is not an easy thing to treat. It's not an easy thing to live with. There's no easy answers there. I have some suggestions on what you can do to start to at least feel like you're making some progress, but it's a very, very difficult problem. ARFID's different. You know, your child's not wanting to lose weight. They're not worried about their body image. Some pediatricians and some mental health professionals will say a child can never starve. Yes, they can. And that drives me nuts because yes, they actually can. So when you have well-intentioned people say, you know, you should probably do a gluten-free diet or, well, you should watch their sugar or, well, you should watch blah, 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 or, you know, just don't feed them. And eventually they're, you know, if they don't eat their dinner, then just save it and give it to them in the morning. That's what I had a pediatrician tell me once. No, that's not going to help. First of all, I'm not going to worry about gluten if I can't get anything in my child's body. That's like the last thing I'm going to worry about. Yeah, it might be great. It might be a helpful thing. But when your child's starving to death, you're going to want to feed them whatever you can. If somebody doesn't get that, they're going to suggest that. So there are some things to do with anxiety. You're going to want to attack their thoughts with OCD. I don't attack their thoughts because OCD is irrational. You don't want to go down that rabbit hole of kind of arguing with the OCD with anxiety. I do argue with the anxiety component. And so I will teach kids. Yes, you're going to feel nauseous but you're nauseous because you're anxious and you want to make that connection and say, but if you listen to your anxiety and you don't eat when you're feeling nauseous, then your anxiety will actually grow bigger. So you have to eat through the nausea. So a lot of it is just helping kids understand what's happening, how anxiety works, how OCD works so that they can have some knowledge behind that and labeling it. So a lot of the stuff that I talk about in other episodes All is very relevant and important here. And I talk about this in my online classes too. So if you don't have any basic understanding of how to approach your child for their anxiety or OCD, you know, consider taking one of my classes and really learn that way. I have one on how to parent a child with anxiety and I have one how to parent a child with OCD because they are very different. Even if you have a kid who has both, your approach to those will be very different. And you can look at my online classes at anxioustoddler.teachable.com. And all my classes are there. They're online. You just take them whenever you feel like it. They're little videos and like worksheets, and they kind of walk you through things. So when you have a child with anxiety, you want to reframe their thinking. So for the nausea, I don't try to help them feel better. And you'll, you'll hear this in my episode on emetophobia. Instead, I want them to learn how to live with it accept it, and then move through it, which is different. And we're not going to go into that too much in here because this is just a brief overview of ARFID. But if they have a fear of choking, the more you accommodate the choking, 
the bigger the anxiety grows. So when you're, when you're cutting up your child's food into really small bite-sized pieces so they don't choke, and I'm not talking about a small amount. So of course my child, I mean, he has all of this. He worries about choking. He worries about throwing up. He has intrusive thoughts about his food. I mean, like it's across the board. So I will cut his food for him, even though he's at an age where he could start to cut his own food. That's just kind of an epiphany there, (laughs) but I will not cut it into really tiny, tiny bites, but I will make them bite size because I know that's one of his issues. And so when I, when I give him food, it will be pre-cut into bite-sized pieces. Now, if he said, mom, can you go back and cut them smaller? And it seemed irrational or maybe not typical, like he wants it in smaller bites than would be normal. I will not do that because that's accommodating the anxiety. Now, having said that, everything I'm going to say is ideal. Like, so that's my intention. Now, if my kid is starving and hasn't eaten all day, and the only way I'm going to get him to eat is if I cut it up in little, little, tiny little pieces. Yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to slowly work on it, but I am going to do what I can to get him to eat. And I really feel like that's the difference between treating different types of anxiety and OCD versus ARFID is with ARFID, you don't have a lot of wiggle room. And so, yeah, if you're dealing with reassurance and your child has OCD and you don't want to reassure them over and over again and, and complete their OCD loop. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can watch my YouTube video on that. Um, not completing the OCD loop. Go to my YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash C backslash anxious toddler 78. And you can search my videos. I have one on don't complete the OCD loop. Now my channel is purely for kids and I make videos directly for kids. I haven't made one on eating yet, but it is coming because I do want to do one on this because it's a good topic for me to do a kid's YouTube video on, but you want to do what you can. You want to move towards helping them while making sure that they are eating. And that's a hard balance. So with choking, I also say like to my child, I'll say you're, when you choke, you're like completely not making any sound. You're not choking. Cause he'll often say, I'm choking. I was just choking. Did you hear me? And I'll say, you, I'm right here, but you weren't choking because if you're choking, you would make no sounds and that's your anxiety. So we named his anxiety and you'll learn that in my class or on anything that you read that or listen to with me. I work on the thinking now, some concrete things that you can do, whether it's anxiety or OCD And with OCD, it's the same thing. You're just not going to really rationalize. So with OCD, you want to do all the things that I already talk about in all of my other podcasts. Or if you take my online class, all of the things I teach you in my online class, you want to do. So you want to name the OCD. You want to educate your child on what OCD is. You want them to understand what compulsions are, all the things I talk about in my class or through my podcast. And so you have all that going on and then you want to relate it to eating the more you avoid eating, the bigger your OCD grows. So you're not really tackling the thoughts per se, except you're just calling it out and you're like, that's your OCD. Your OCD, yep, your OCD doesn't want you to eat that because it's going to tell you that, you know, it's pig or, you know, it once was a chicken. So you want to just tackle the OCD itself and not necessarily going down and debating the OCD thought. That's really one of the main differences between how you're going to approach anxiety and how you're going to approach OCD. So one thing that, that I recommend is one, don't get into food battles. I mean, that goes without saying 
food battles, you will always lose when it comes to sensory anxiety or OCD. So you want to empower your child, but you don't want to take away their go-to foods. That's my opinion, because take away their go-to foods. They actually might be, you know, G tube. They might have to be on a feeding tube because they won't eat because they're petrified. So that approach, it's never going to work. Tough love, throw it out the door, tell your partner, no, that's not going to help. So you want to sit down and make a list of all their go-to foods, because a lot of times you'll be surprised that there are a lot of go-to foods that your child will eat. Once you write them down, it might seem like there's like nothing, but start making a list. And even if you have to sit down with your child and it's better to partner with them. So sit down with them and say, let's write down all the foods that you're willing to eat. So you write down your list of go-to foods. I did this on an Excel spreadsheet. So I made all the go-to foods green, wrote the date out. And then are there foods that are like sometimes okay? And so you make a list of the foods that are sometimes okay. What are the foods that are red? So I make a spreadsheet of green, yellow, and red foods. And then with the red foods, you rank them one to 10. 10 meaning, oh, I will be completely anxious if you make me eat this. One, well, it shouldn't be one if it's in the red. (laughs) So that might be one way that you can gauge where to put it in your columns because maybe if it's a one, it's in the green. If it's yellow, it might be like a three to a four. And if it's in the red, it might be from five to 10. And then in the red, you want to get that particular number and then you want to rank them. So do kind of like a little hierarchy where you are making like a, uh, an exposure hierarchy. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's in my class, but also I talk about exposure response prevention, ERP in another podcast. And you can listen to that in episode 53. So it's basically what we're doing. We're doing ERP for eating, which has to go slower because food is kind of important. And so we have to have our kids eat. So once you have your hierarchy of the foods that maybe are five to 10, then you can set up food challenges and you can say to your child, you know, once a day, let's pick a food that maybe makes you a little uncomfortable and let's see if you can take a bite. Now, there's a spectrum of, of behavior that a child can do depending on how high their anxiety and OCD is. So for some kids, they may not be able to touch their red list at all. Maybe they can touch their yellow list. For some kids, maybe they're just going to want to smell it. And that's a big enough challenge. Maybe they're going to want to hold it. Maybe they'll be willing to lick it, but not put it in their mouth. So you find wherever your child is able to start and you start with that. And It's so hard doing this because I can tell you exactly how to do this, but to be honest, I don't do this all the time. I want to, and I have good intentions to do it. I'll make a list with my son and then I'll put it on the refrigerator and we'll do like a seven day challenge. And if he can get seven checks and he does a challenge every single day, he earns a prize. He's really into rocks right now. So I bought a huge bag of geodes and he can earn a geode for every seven challenges he does. So you can set something up like that. Now, I am a child therapist. I talk about this all the time. I have good intentions and I fail. Like I forget to do it or I'm tired or he's not in a good mood. So I'm going to tell you how to set this up, but don't beat yourself up if you forget about it or you're tired and it doesn't happen for a couple of weeks and you're like, oh gosh, I got to get back on that. Welcome to my world. Like life is messy and the important thing is that you know how to do these things and that 
you do them from time to time, or at least you know what you could do to help. There are going to be days, weeks, and maybe even months where you're just exhausted or your child is just not in a space to be able to do these things. I totally get it because I do that. So have your Excel spreadsheet, do your green, yellow, and red list, make your hierarchy, and then do seven day challenges. Now, if that's too much, and I did find with my child that was too much at times, I would push him and sometimes he would just get a geode for one challenge. And so sometimes you can change the rules depending on if your child's really facing their fears and they're taking a really hard exposure challenge, then maybe they're going to get a prize right away, or maybe they're not motivated at all. And so you're going to give them a reinforcer every time they take a challenge and it's not bribing them to eat. And if you have that mentality, you don't understand anxiety or OCD at all. And you need to go back and listen to other podcasts because you have to understand that reinforcers are a huge component of motivating and helping kids fight through their anxiety. Because if you don't have anxiety or OCD, you're not going to get it. But if someone's asking you to go pet a shark, you're not going to do it. So, and that's kind of how it feels for some of these kids. It's at that level. So make your food challenges and then work through your list. That seems very simple, but it can take forever to get through a list. Also, what I do is I watch my child and if I notice that he is spitting out his food, because that's kind of what he does, like he'll spit it out. And I know that that's kind of more, that's like kind of a compulsion because obviously something is going wrong and he'll push the food far away from his face. So I know that that's the problem. I will go up to him if he's in a good mood and I'll say, you know, are you feeling anxious about that food? What was it about that food? And I try not to like grill him, but it's also a learning opportunity. And so I'll say, and sometimes I'll make a joke about it. And I'll be like, bring in the bombs. We have an attack. And, and he'll laugh and, and I'll try to make it funny. And I'll say, we have to attack back. How do we fight back? And then in the moment I might say, what was wrong with it? And he's gotten a lot better. And he might say something like, well, that piece just felt weird or that piece looks a little bit darker. And then I might say, you could take a challenge right now. Do you want a geode right now? And, and I'll, I'll just get him to lean in to his OCD and do the opposite. And he understands what I'm doing because we talk about it a lot. And so if you haven't done any of that stuff first, you need to go back and do all of the preparation all the baseline work on helping your kid understand anxiety or OCD, because this is advanced stuff. You only do this once you've already helped your child understand what it is. They understand the mechanisms behind it. They've named it. All the other things I talk about. This episode is just talking to you about how to deal with the food component of all of that. But it's not that you start with any of this. You have to start with all the earlier stuff. And, and then sometimes he'll say, okay, I will. And sometimes I have to do a lot of encouraging, like, you know, bring in the bigger bombs. He doesn't want to fight, you know, and I'll make a joke. Now, sometimes he's not thinking it's funny and I can tell by his facial expressions that he is not wanting to do this and I let it go. So you have to gauge your child because this is their battle, not your battle. And so it's really important to, to be aware of when you're pushing too hard. Now, the other thing that I will do is sometimes we jump up our list and we go really high. So he wanted a geode for some reason. Um, he had a friend over and he, he just wanted one right away. And I said, we well, haven't done any of your challenges on the board. And he said, but I really want one. And so 
I said, well, okay, well, if you could take a bite of cheese, which is his like 11 on his list, you can, you can get it. And because I knew in that moment, he was highly, highly motivated. He was like, okay, mom, go ahead. Now he doesn't like cheese. So he, it's not even, it's like, yes, it's anxiety producing, but he doesn't even like it. So it's like a double doozy for him. And I cut like a tiny, 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 tiny little square off of a little square. Um, it was like microscopic and he ate it. And, and then I kind of egged him on like, Oh, it's cheese. It's so gross because as an, for an exposure, you really want to poke at the anxiety. And so you don't want to do any reassurance and say, you're okay. It's just a little bit. It's okay. It's not going to hurt you. You kind of want to poke at it. And so I gauge my child's facial expressions, but if he's in a good mood, I'll poke when he does an exposure. I'll be like, Oh, that's so gross on purpose to elevate his anxiety so that he can work through it. I hope that makes a lot of sense. This is all psychoeducational, so I'm not giving you mental health advice. You want to talk to your own therapist and get your own therapist guidance, but these are just some parental, uh, some parental approaches that, that can be effective. So now with another one of my kids who doesn't have feeding issues, but has other types of anxiety, I found on Amazon, I bought like a huge bag of minifigures and I think it was like $20 and it's like a huge bag of minifigures and she loves Legos. And so every time she does an exposure challenge, she earns a little Lego figure and that's very rewarding for her. So find what motivates your child and realize that's not going to be the silver bullet answer, but it's at least a tool in your toolbox that you have something that you can do to address their eating. Now, I know that doesn't answer all the questions out there because ARFID is a complicated and complex issue and it's not an easy thing to treat, but a lot of parents don't even know where to start. And so they wind up just completely accommodating their kids eating, but they never do the exposures or the challenges or have the conversations with their children about what it is that's making them not want to eat validating it and say, I totally get it. This is your anxiety. This is your OCD. I understand it. This is sensory, although we weren't really talking about that today. And, and then work towards it. You know, even though you feel nauseous, you still want to fight back because if we give in to your anxiety or OCD for the rest of your life, you're going to be afraid of food. And I don't want that for you. So what little steps can we take? So even if you're moving at a molasses speed, you want to at least be moving in the right direction. That doesn't mean you take away any of their go-to foods. You just do separate challenges on top of it. And also, um, I tend to give my child what we're eating, and I know he's not going to touch it, and then I will give him his go-to food next to it. And then he'll normally say, can you move that out of my way? (laughs) Because he can't even see it or smell it. And, you know, depending on his mood, I might say, you know, it's a challenge. How about you eat with that there? But I may not do that until I know he's gotten enough calories in him because I won't ever do a challenge, uh, an exposure challenge, or push the envelope when he hasn't eaten already. I want him to get calories in him, and then I might push it a little bit further. So I hope that helps you just a little bit because I know that's such a big, big, big struggle. If you're enjoying my podcast, I would love to get your feedback. If you're listening on it's not called iTunes anymore. What is it called? I don't even know what it's called, but if you're listening on iTunes and you see the stars under my podcast name, if you can hit one to show your appreciation, I appreciate that. 
And if you have a little bit of extra time, if you can leave a comment, I will read one each time I end my show and I appreciate reading those. And I think it's good for other people to read those to see how my podcast is helping. So somebody wrote, I have been searching for years to find tools to use with my child. This is what I've been looking for. Thank you for bringing us peace of mind. Thank you for the comment. I appreciate it. If you have a comment, please go leave it on iTunes, Google Play or Stitcher or wherever you consume your podcast. I hope you have a wonderful day and I hope you find the sparkle in everything you do. I'll talk to you later. Take care. Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com.